This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. John chapter number 11 is our text. And this morning, I am concluding, I'm coming to an end of a series that I've been teaching called Faith 2.0. I'm bringing that to a conclusion today as we enter into the month of May. Uh, We are going to be heading a little bit different direction uh, in the word of the Lord in the month of May. But I have thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this Faith 2.0 series. I feel like we have just soaked it up and wrung it out, if you can say that. We have just been wringing it out every week, and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. But this morning, we're going to the book of John, chapter number 11, as we conclude faith at another level. Faith at a higher degree, faith 2.0. John 11, and I'm going to kind of maneuver through John chapter 11. Uh, I'm not going to read consecutive scriptures, so you're going to have to be on your A game this morning and stay with me. Your dear friend, he's very sick, verse 4. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. All the way down to verse 17. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been dead in his grave for four days. Verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 22. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. And and, and verse 24, yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. And Jesus comes back in verse 25 and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Verse 27. Yes, Lord, she told him. Now skip to 37. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Well, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell, it will be terrible. And Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Verse 43, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus. Come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in head cloth, and Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Pretty lengthy text. I'm aware that it was a lot of reading, but some of you are familiar with the story. Uh, Others of you, you're just going to have to catch this and you're going to have to get this down in your spirit today because what I've come to preach to you this morning in this Faith 
2.0 conclusion sermon is that God can make your impossible possible. Someone say amen. To fully appreciate what happened in the text, you somewhat have to be comfortable or familiar with a little bit of uh, cultural um, distinctives in this Jewish culture, this burial tradition. Lazarus has died, he's dead, and they wrapped him in grave clothes to the point that some commentaries say up to a hundred pounds of linen would be wrapped around the corpse of a dead uh, of, of the dead. Uh, basically, if you want to get an image in your mind this morning, the best way that I can come about expressing this is imagine a mummy. Imagine what we know as a mummy. So they've wrapped Lazarus, and he's in the grave, and we see that there's really two unbelievable, powerful miracles that take place in this text. The first is the most obvious, DJ, and that was this dead one was resurrected. That's the obvious one. But then there's one that kind of gets skipped over a little bit, and that was not only was the dead one named Lazarus resurrected, but he came out of the grave with a hundred pounds of grave clothes on him. How's that possible? How does anyone walk uh, with a hundred pound of grave clothes, but yet the scriptures say he came out bound? Everyone say, he came out bound. That's right. He was resurrected, but yet he came out still bound. So we have the, the, the resurrection miracle, and then we have the deliverance miracle. Come on, somebody. We have the resurrection or the new life miracle, but then we have the deliverance miracle. And, and some people around here at Calvary on this, this Sunday morning, you need some resurrection miracle, and then there's others that need some deliverance miracle. But here's what I want all of us to just uh, take a deep breath of and enjoy the presence of God this morning because he can do both. He can resurrect and he can set free. I'm thankful that he just doesn't resurrect me, but he goes ahead and finishes what he started. And he can set me free in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord this morning. This miracle, this miracle in John chapter 11, it foreshadows what God wants to do in your life. When we sin, and every single one of us has sinned, so let's just cut to the chase this morning. There's nobody in here that's got it completely together. So why don't we just go ahead and dig that root up and throw it away. All of us have been born into sin, and all of us have been shaped, and all of us have this iniquity that was in us at our birth, but that's why we need Jesus Christ. Because he takes care of that deep sin issue in our lives. Amen, everybody. But this is what sin does. Sin starts, so to speak, and I'm taking my liberty here. But sin starts at our toes and begins to wrap itself up all the way and covers our eyesight. It becomes this force if we go uh, without dealing with it, if we go without giving our sin to Jesus and allowing him to 
set us free from sin, if we go without repenting of our sin, we'll find ourselves just a shadow of who we really are. Sin has a way of numbing us to reality. Come on. Sin has a way of cutting us off from our friends and our family. Sin has a way of cutting us off from who God created us to be. When sin gets a hold of your life and starts wrapping up, all of a sudden you lose feeling in your extremities. You start thinking differently. You start acting differently. And you become a slave. Everyone say a slave. You become a slave to sin. Now you can't think on your own. Now you can't talk on your own. Now you can't function on your own. You're a slave. You're told when to wake up. You're told when to go to bed. You're told how to speak to your loved ones. You're, you're told where to go and what to do when you get there. Sin controls your life because now you've become a mummy. You've become wrapped up in its forces and now you're just literally controlled by it. And that's why we can't do anything about it without someone Setting us free. Praise God. I feel like preaching this morning. Jesus, the reason this is a foreshadowing of your life story is because Jesus wants to call you out of your tomb. He wants to give you life. He wants to breathe life in you and he wants to deliver you from what life has brought to you. And I found one of the very best ways to uh, experience the scriptures, one of the best ways to really connect to scripture is to put my name in the blank uh, in place of the other character's name in this position, it would be Lazarus. And I could honestly say that every single morning of my life, Jesus is saying, Tommy, come out. Tommy, come forth. Bring your issues to me. I want to give you life. So, Tommy, I'm calling you from death. I'm calling you from sin. I'm calling you from the tomb. I'm calling you out to set you free to be the husband that you can be, to be the dad you can be, to be the pastor you can be, to be the friend that you can be. But I've got to get you out of what you've been in. Come on, somebody. This morning, God's wanting to call somebody out of sin, out of death, out of your tomb. He's wanting to call you out and then set you free from all of your life's issues. I've, I've probably forgotten most of the sermons I've heard preached in my life. And before you, before you laugh at that, most of you've forgotten most of the sermons that you've heard in your life I mean, for that matter, I've forgotten most of the sermons I've preached in my life. But there's a few sermons that come your way, whether you preach them or whether you hear them, that you'll never forget. And one of those sermons for me, uh, I heard years ago, and I've ended up preaching it myself a time or two, possibly three. And that is, never put a comma where God puts a period and never put a period where God puts a comma. And in this text of John 11, the story of Lazarus, when we see that Jesus heard the news that he was sick, when Jesus heard the news that his friend Lazarus was ill, Jesus steps out in faith 2.0 and makes a statement, a prediction that is 
bold, man. It is powerful. He says that this sickness will not end in death. Come on now. He says it will not end in death. Oswald Chambers said this, that sometimes it looks like God's missing the mark, but it's because we're too short-sighted to see what he's aiming for. (laughs) Can somebody relate with what I'm talking about? Have you ever, I don't want you to raise your hand because I know all of us got a sense of pride and we don't want to be that one to raise our hand on something like this. So I'll just go ahead and tell you, I have thought more than once that God didn't have any idea what he was doing. I thought, I wish he would consult with me because I think that I've got a better grip on what needs to be done in this situation. He's not quite doing what I think he needs to be doing. Now, I know you've never had those thoughts. You just, you just follow the Lord just with, with his great faith. And, but I've had them moments, Lisa, where I'm like, I wish he would have at least texted me about this because he's missing it. If he would have just consulted with someone of my wisdom, I believe I could have worked this out for him. I've had them moments before. Well, this is one of those moments. This sickness will not end in death. And don't you know there were some ladies, uh, Martha, Mary, and don't you know there were some other people that were in the close proximity of Christ that thought, that brother's missing this. It's impossible that this one's not going to take Lazarus' life because they said he's only got just an hour or two to live. And here he's saying that this sickness will not end in death. And then don't you know that it snowballed Brent Jenkins even more when they found out that he did die. He did die. And don't you know they thought, "Uh uh-huh, this prophet, this good teacher has missed it for sure because he said this sickness will not end in death. Look at that. And Lazarus has died. Everyone say end. That's the key word. He didn't say that he wouldn't die. He said it wouldn't, that sickness would not end in death. Can you just... Can you just handle a word this morning? It doesn't matter what it looks like right now. It's not over till God says it's over. I know it's so simple, but somebody needs to reach up and get a hold of that word that it's not over till God says it's over. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord this morning. God always has the final word few Wednesday nights, I mentioned a quote that I read from Max Licato. Max Licato said that for those that have a relationship with God and love the Lord, it's all going to work out in the end. And if it's not working out, it's because it's not the end. Somebody get a hold of that in your heart this morning. If you have a relationship with the Lord and you love God, it's all going to work out in the end. And if it doesn't seem like it's working out, it's because it's not the end. He said this sickness will not end in death. He went ahead and just stepped out on a limb. He stepped out in faith. And what what we studied a few weeks ago that a good definition of faith is, faith at a higher level is climbing a tree, Climbing out on the limb, taking a saw, cutting down that limb, and watching the tree fall. Jesus went ahead and said, this sickness will not end in death. 
Well, that kind of faith, it didn't resonate with everyone there. But it sure enough jumped and got on top of a lady named Martha. Because Martha went ahead and started practicing faith herself. She started to speak faith her own way. And Pastor Don Howard, uh, Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But, somebody shout, but. You've wanted to shout that all week long, didn't you? But, I know that even now, somebody say, even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Here's a conjunction that's placed just after a statement of fact, but before a statement of faith. Faith at a higher level does not ignore reality. You have to identify the problem. It's a statement of fact. But faith at a higher level goes ahead and puts a comma right there and says a statement of faith. We identify the issue, but then we get Jesus involved in the issue, and then we release him to do what he can do. Ooh, somebody needs to catch this now. She says, I know if you would have been here, he would not have died. But I also know that God's going to do something miraculous. In other words, uh, common sense, our natural ways, we would put a period at the end of the sentence. But God, if you would have been here, he would not have died period, and then we would go and Facebook and tweet and Instagram and anything else, all to try and to show that God missed it. But faith at a higher level says, this is where I'm at, but I know this is where I'm going. This is my reality, but my faith believes it's going to be this way. I can put my finger on this, but my faith is seeing something in the supernatural, and I can't explain how, when, and why, and where it's going to take place, but I believe it's going to happen. So this little lady speaks faith at a higher level, and she says, even now. What a powerful choice of words. Even now. Even when, uh, even when the application is denied, even then I'm going to believe. Even now, even now, even though the doctor's report doesn't come out just the way I wanted it, even now I believe. Even now, even as dark as this night seems to be, even now I believe. Even now. Somebody say, keep praying and keep believing. Praise the Lord. Let's clap our hands one more time to the Lord this morning. <clears throat> this, this lady, Martha, reveals these two different types of faith. And I hope you can see this. In this one statement, she talks about preventive faith, where she believes that, uh, Lord, you could have prevented this. You could have prevented this. I got on an airplane this week heading home. Uh, I was at a, a speaking conference over in Florida, and I came home on Thursday, and I got on that airplane, and I'm not going to lie, uh, this preacher sat right down, and I prayed, Stephanie, I said, Lord, get me home safe. I know you can. I know you will. Just get me home safe. We make prayers that are preventive faith statements. Keep us safe all night long while we sleep, Lord. 
we make prayers like preventive faith. Keep us, keep us healthy, Lord. Prevent, prevent, prevent. But then we also make statements like Martha that was not preventive faith statements, but the resurrection faith statements. That this is where I'm at. This is my reality. But I believe, God, that you can turn some things around. Everybody do this in your hand. Do this right here. Say, I believe God can turn some things around. I know he can prevent some things. But when life comes to my front step and when life brings things that I'm not comfortable with, I just go ahead and pray and make statements of faith, Sarah, that are resurrection statements of faith that God can turn this thing around. God can put his hand on it, Chanel, and turn this thing on its, on its opposite side. He can take it and flip it. He can take it and turn it. Resurrection statements of faith. And this is what she says. She says, I know that, Lord, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. That's preventive faith. If, if you would have been here, you would have prevented it. But I also know, God, that you can turn this thing around, and I know that you can make my impossible possible. So it's an even then, even now, I choose to believe. When she says that the marriage is over and she's going to file, that's not the time to put a period. If you want that thing to last, that's the time you put a comma and say, even now I'm going to believe. The time when they deny the loan, it's not the time to put a period and say, well, I guess it's just not meant to be. If you feel like you've heard from God, and if you're someone in relationship with God, and you're pleasing God with your faith, go ahead and put a comma there and say, it just must not have been the uh, right loan for me. I'm believing that something else is coming that's going to even be better. Even when they say you're not going to recover, put a comma there. I wish I could preach to somebody that really needed a miracle in this room. I can tell you right now, uh, and I'm not going to get into details, but I know a few of you, and I know what you're up against, and I just hope that slumber and, and, and I hope that uh, weariness has not gotten the best of you. I hope that you're awake enough this morning. I hope that you're in tune enough this morning that you'll let the word of God stir you up and get your eraser out where you've put a period and erase that and put a comma back in its place and take the limits off of God. Start believing God for a miracle in your life. I'll spare you the details, but my own family's in a situation where we need God to move in our family. And I know what society and what culture and what, what modern day thinking says. They say, ah, it's just not meant to be. Go ahead and put a period there. I've come by and say that I don't care what culture says. I don't care what society thinks about it. I don't care about any of that. What I care about is I'm going to put a comma there and I'm going to believe that God can and God will. Call me crazy, but I just choose to believe. I choose to believe that all things are possible with God because if it's not worked out by now it's just because the end's not here I know what it looks like right now it doesn't look good but it ain't over I know what it sounds like but I'm not worried about what it sounds like I know what faith sounds like and faith sounds like with you all things are possible God can turn things around that other people say is dead and gone and put a stone over it and bury it and shut it up 
move on. Everybody say, this is, what, this is what the world says. Everybody says, move on. Can I just tell you this? Some things that you can't move on from. There's some marriages that are not worth moving on from. There's some financial problems that are not worth just writing off and moving on from. God can resurrect. He can turn it around. He can show up in the midnight hour and work it out if you won't put a period there. Don't tie his hands with unbelief. Loose his hands with faith and let him do something in the worst night of your life. Let him turn something around for your good. Somebody shout hallelujah this morning. Praise God. Woo, man, them pancakes are going to be good after this. Mm, I just hope they got some coffee left. Because it's obvious all I've had is about five cups. I'm looking for that sixth. And then we're going to hit number seven for completion, and we'll be all right by 11 o'clock. <laughs> mm. We see an unbelievable statement made in this text, but it's before the miracle. Oh, man, if I was just smart enough to preach this the way I feel it. There's something that happens before the miracle that is so critical to each and every one of us, Sister Nyla, experiencing the miraculous. Before Lazarus is resurrected, I said before he's resurrected, Jesus goes ahead and declares that he is the resurrection and the life. He makes this bold statement, I am the resurrection. And then he turns to Martha and he asks her this I mean to tell you, he asked her this bold question, Jeff, parents. He says, do you believe this? It's so easy. It's so simple. It's not a multiple choice test. It's not a scantron sheet when you got a number two pencil and you got to bubble it in black. It's not a true or false question. He just makes it real easy, Brother Larry. He says, I am the resurrection. Do you believe this? And Martha turned to him and she said, Yes, Lord, I believe. Can I just open up the windows of heaven for someone's understanding this morning? It still comes back to what you believe is possible. He makes the statement, I am the resurrection. Do you believe? And she doesn't hee-haw around. She doesn't go and tries to communicate a little bit more. Can we discuss this thoroughly? Can you explain what you mean? She doesn't get into it. Let me research what that really means before I buy into this. She just says, yes, Lord, I believe. You're just one yes away from everything changing in your life. You're one yes away from dead things coming to life back into your world. Dead dreams can be resurrected with just one yes. Dead finances can be resurrected with just one yes. We're looking at a couple over here this morning that uh, adoption was not an easy walk for their lives. They, they, they went through tough hardships getting there. But along the way, it was just, yes, Lord, I believe. 
Yes, Lord, I believe. To the man in this room that just underwent brain surgery, I guarantee you with fear running through his body, with trembling hands as he walked into the surgery, I bet he was saying, yes, Lord, I believe. You're just one yes away from everything changing in your life. Don't you let the word no come out of your mouth when it's tied to the ability of God. Just say, yes, Lord, I believe. Is this possible? Yes, Lord, I believe. Somebody shout yes this morning. Oh, think about the power in that word. Yes, it's in the affirmative. It's in the reception. It's in the agreement. It's in the covenant. It's in the acceptance. It's in the belief. It's not negative, it's not cynical, it's not critical, it's not doubtful. It's powerful when you say the word yes. People at their marriage altar say yes to one another. When you repent of your sins, you're saying yes to the ability of God's blood. When you take on each other's uh, burdens in prayer, you're saying yes, God can do a great work in your life. Yes, 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 yes. God says, do you believe? And I'm just coming by to get you to say yes to the ways of God. Yes to the ability of God. Yes to the power of God. When you say yes... All things are possible. Clap your hands one more time this morning. If our worship team can come, let me wrap things up this morning. This same test that was given to Martha, this same test is being given today. And the question is, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? This is who Jesus is, and this is what Jesus does. If you have a coworker, a family member, or even if, if it's you today that's not really sure who Jesus is and what Jesus does, it's real easy. Jesus gives new life, and Jesus sets people free. It's tied all the way back to the book of Exodus. We find the children of the Lord were in slavery and the Lord reached his hand down and he saved them from slavery he saved them from sin but they had been living in sin for so long that that's the only way they knew how to live even God at that moment would save them when they had no idea how to live any other way they were living amongst uh, sin and slavery and God brings them out and God says, you let me handle that and now we'll work together and get those grave clothes, so to speak. We'll get you delivered from all of your issues. This morning, I preached through a nine o'clock service that's about to go home. You're about to be dismissed from another church service on another Sunday as we wrap up another month. And my question to you is, what do you need God to do in your life? Because whatever it is you need, if you need new life breathed into you, or if you need to be set free from some things, all you are asked to do is to accept, to receive, to say yes to the handiwork, to the ability of God. You don't have to try to figure it out. You don't have to try to know all the answers. You don't have to try to know what, what, what's going to happen in 10 years, 5 years, 20 minutes. You don't have to worry about all that. 
All you have to do is come up with these three unbelievable letters, Y-E-S, and you just have to come up with the boldness to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Where you lead me, I will follow. Yes, Lord, yes to your ways. Yes, Lord, yes to your abilities. This morning, I ask you to stand with me in this first service before I dismiss you. And I'm just doing my best to reach after someone's heart right now by the help of the Holy Spirit. You're just one yes away from everything changing in your life. You're just one simple decree of belief that He is able. All over this house with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you need something to change in your life, if you need to come to Jesus for the first time, or if you need to make a return to Him, You've been away from him for some time now. If you need a miracle in your life, if you need God to do something in your world that you've been trying to do on your own and it's not worked out, if you need to be set free, if you need to be delivered, if you need change, if you need simple thing called change, if you just need some things to change in your world, if you'll just say yes to the Lord, you're saying yes to all of his ways and abilities. This morning, if you need something in your life, slip a hand up quickly. I want to pray for you personally. God bless you. This will be one of the boldest moves you'll ever make. And you might think, well, it's not that bold lifting up a hand. Your hand being lifted is just a symbol of your heart. It's your heart that's saying yes to the Lord. If you need something to change in your life, leave your hands up. I want to pray for you. God's wanting to do something unbelievable in your world. And it's going to come through faith. How you please God is by believing in Him. How you release Him to do something great in your life is by believing that He's able. With all of you that have a hand lifted up, I ask you to open up your heart. My words are just simple words, but it's your heart that's connecting with God. And I'm going to ask you to put your faith in Him right now. Father, it's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth that with every hand lifted up, whether it's the healing of a body, whether it's the forgiveness of sin, whether it's the turning around of something that seems to be dead to them, maybe it's a dream, maybe it's a a goal that was once set that's never been accomplished, maybe it's a loan for a new home, or maybe it's a relationship issue. God, you know exactly what it is. But Lord, these people that have a hand lifted up, they've done all they can do within their own abilities. They can't do anything else. And that's the way you made it. You made it so easy. And Lord, for the person in the room that might think, oh, it's gotta be harder than this. There's gotta be something I can do. Father, we don't wanna frustrate what you've done already for us. We just go ahead and make it easy. And we release you to do the miraculous right now in your mind. Because that's what God's got. That's what God's given you to be able to see and think with. I want you to see things turning around right now. I want you to see it happening as I pray for you. Father, let it come to pass. The faith that's rising up in their minds. If they can see it, they can believe it. Let them see, Lord, things working out. Let them see things coming to pass. Let them see the healing. Let them see the deliverance. Let them see the salvation upon their children, upon their husband, 
Let them see the salvation of their wife. Let them see the salvation of their parents. God, whatever it is they're believing you for, let them see it happening. So right now, God, by faith, we receive it done. And Lord, we're not going to put a period where you're just wanting to put a comma. You're still at work. The end's not here. You still have this dispensation of your grace. You're still at work in this world. Your hand is not too short that it cannot reach and save. So God, we release you. Put that marriage together. Heal that body. Save that soul. We believe this in the name of Jesus Christ. We accept it done, not by our works, but God, we accept it because of your goodness towards us. And we just choose to believe that it's possible in the name of Jesus. And let the church say, amen. Lean over to that one next to you, put your arm around them real good. Hold their hand if it's your spouse or a close friend. Put your arm around somebody. Woo! I feel strength in this room this morning. I feel strength in this room this morning. God can. God will. God is. Let's keep praying. Let's keep believing. And let's watch miracles, signs, and wonders come to your family. Everybody say, I receive. Amen. And amen and amen. Now go get your pancake on and get your coffee home. We're praying with you. We're believing with you. You're dismissed this morning in the name of the Lord. God bless you today.